You're listening to the Boogeyman's Closet Podcast. Explicit language and spoilers ahead. You've been warned. And we are back for yet another episode of the Boogeyman's Closet. As always, I am Mike Alvarez. Maurice Kilfer. And uh, Susie's not with us yet, but we do have another guest joining us today. Hey, it's Mike from Count Creepyhead here to get my revenge on the other Mike. <laughs> I'm back. It's, uh, can, we are finishing up our month of Omay. <laughs> with... Hey, you know, before I forget, thank you for having me on so much this month it's been uh, it's been a blast i appreciate it hey thank you for joining us it's, it's been a lot of fun uh, i think death wish is especially one to remember um <laughs> do you get any feedback on it do people like it uh quite a few people yeah they, they all all seem to enjoy our crazy banter uh awesome <laughs> you me and josh kind of went nuts with that one but uh we are we are closing out our month of uh Against All Odds movies with episode 152, Hobo with a Shotgun. Uh, it's an hour and 26 minutes uh, from 2011 and director Jason Eisner. Uh, the only things of note that he really did is uh, VHS 2. He did the alien abduction sequence, which unfortunately is, in my opinion, the worst one of the bunch. Um, and then he did a segment in ABCs of Death, Why is for Young Buck. Um, then other than that, he just basically did a bunch of music videos and shorts. So he was, a, uh, connected to turbo kid too, as a producer. Yes, but not in a uh, directorial capacity. He's, he's been, he's done like some other stuff in film, just not as a director. Um, but yeah, this is, this is one of those movies I have been wanting to get on the show forever. Uh, unfortunately I, I'm going to just jump in right now and say this i do have covid so i'm going to be pausing a lot throughout this uh to cough so there might be some odd edits so uh just be prepared for that throughout and guess Um, what i have covid too (laughs) yeah it turns out you really shouldn't like have hot man love when you have covid like we learned the hard way me and Mike thought, like, let's go to Terrors and make out during the Beyond, and it'll be totally cool. Nobody will know. And now we have COVID, so you're going to get a lot of Maurice. <laughs> Maurice is on deck for this one. But uh, now this is this oh. is serious. Oh, go ahead, Maurice. Well, not really, because I'll be missing the April Fools. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> um, yeah, Maurice is actually going to have to bow out for our next episode. Uh, but we uh, we will have the return of Susie and we will have yet another guest. So look forward to that. But uh, yeah, this is a film I have been wanting to get on here forever. I have said multiple times throughout the lifetime of the show that this is one of my all time favorite movies. But let's go around the table and see what everyone thinks. Mike, we'll start with you as you are our guest. I love this movie. What? Uh, how do you rate your movies? Two thumbs up, one out um, of five stars, one out of ten. How do you rate things? Uh, two thumbs up always works for me. It's two thumbs up. Or or two hobos up. Yeah, it's two lawnmowers up. <laughs> uh, it is a perfect film. There's something about this universe, this like dirty side of Canada, 
that I love so much that you get with like Hobo with a shotgun and Psycho Goreman and Father's Day and Turbo Kid. I mean, they're all kind of like that Astron group of guys. Is it yeah. Astron? Uh, it's just this horrible warm blanket that I want to wrap myself in and just <laughs> giggle, you know, and be happy. Um, I wish I could put it in any other words, but it's just it. It's a nice place for me to be when I, I watch it every time I pick mm-hmm. up something new and it's just a great, great film. And we were talking when we were watching it. You just want to hug Rugger Hauer. Oh, my God. You want to <laughs> I... like take your fishing. I am going to be singing his praises throughout this entire episode. I oh, I can't I can't sing enough <laughs> how good he is in this movie. Yes. Well, more, so, so good. What, what are your thoughts? <clears throat> I, I like this movie, but watching it critically, it's it's very repulsive. <laughs> the the lengths they go through to make you hate these people is just repulsive. But I do enjoy the movie for uh, the revenge factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rucker Hauer is amazing in this. Uh, the music is, well, it's interesting. I like it. It's got that weird, like, 80s it's, synth. It's got, it's like a, it's like an old video game, a 90s video game. You didn't it's like not- the, uh, the use of Disco Fever? <laughs> Disco Inferno? Or Disco yeah. Inferno? No, that, that scene turned me off. <laughs> Especially when you have four young nieces. Yeah. Well, we we've met, we've mentioned this many times on the show before. It's hard to watch kids or like families in peril. And uh, you know, especially especially at this age that we're all currently at where there's either children uh, of one way or another in our lives whether they be our children, our nieces or nephews, etc., you know, it's very hard to watch that type of stuff. Um I would normally agree with Maurice. That's usually my hard out. Like, mm. if you have a crying kid in peril, that's it. I'm turning your movie off. Yeah. Uh, but for whatever reason, this death of children in this movie, we'll get to it, is so comically over the top. Yep. Uh, that I was like, yeah, you know what? Fuck those kids. <laughs> <laughs> and the comeuppance for that scene <laughs> later on yeah. is so good. So it's just sort of yeah. like, all right, okay. But yeah, no, overall, I enjoy the movie. Uh, like I said, the revenge is sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was going to say the acting's good, but I mean, really, there's only one good actor. <laughs> yeah, outside of Rucker Hauer, I wouldn't say many of them do very uh, good. So when it comes to him, the acting's great. When it comes to the rest, well, you can tell why there are not many other movies. But, <laughs> it, you know, it's one of those movies that it's not going to win any awards, but you're going to get some laughs and, you know, see some pretty decent uh, killings. Oh God, the uh, gore effects from both sides. So yeah, overall, I highly recommend it. See now this, um, I will go so far as to say, this is probably my second favorite movie of all time. Um, Return of the living dead is clearly top, top dog for me. Always will be. But this, much like Return of the Living Dead, is one of the few movies I can just watch on repeat and not get bored. 
Like I can put it on, like if I'm drawing or I'm focusing like cleaning or something, I can have this on in the background on a loop and not once will I get sick of it. I love everything about this movie. I love how crazy and over the top everybody in the film is. Everybody is cranked to 11 except Rutger Hauer. He plays it so like pin straight. Like everything is, he takes it so seriously and adds this unwarranted gravitas to this movie it's it's kind of amazing to watch this like trauma level over the topness juxtaposed with actual skilled acting and within the same film it's 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 crazy to me it's it's it shouldn't work but it works so well it's like i'm i'm floored every time i watch it i beg to differ Really? I think Rugger Hauer's unhinged crazy is mm-hmm. different than everybody else's unhinged crazy. And he's so good at what he does. It's just, it's night and day. Like, I, I think I he, you know, he read the script like everybody else. And I don't think anybody was on his level. What you just said. True. You know, like everybody's like, we're, we're in this B movie. Let's just goof and be crazy and Rugger Hauer is such a good fucking actor his fucking crazy is award winning well and that's the thing like cause, well because we've seen Rutger Hauer play crazy crazy before like I mean we've seen him in the hitcher and he was just straight up playing a lunatic um but in this it's like he, you can see the like again it's it's his acting ability you can see him being unhinged, becoming unhinged or the moments where he grapples with reality. Like when he keeps going on about Abby being a teacher and anytime she, she brings up reality to him, he kind of <laughs> like fights back to it. You know, like he either gets frustrated or like he kind of squints and closes his eyes, shakes his head a little bit. Like, like he's trying to come back to reality. Like he's, he's just, I don't know. His acting level to me is amazing. Yeah. Um, but it's just everybody else. Like, I mean, God, Ivan especially is just constantly screaming and laughing. They're the screaming, giggling goons, um, popularized in RoboCop (laughs) and trauma films. Yes, exactly. You are bad. Therefore you laugh uncontrollably Mm -hmm. and scream at everything. (laughs) But, uh, I mean, and in some cases it does work. And the weird thing is that, uh, what is it, Nick Bateman, I think uh, the guy who plays, I mean, yeah, Nick Bateman, he's actually not a bad actor. He did a bunch of, there's like uh, some Gambit shorts that have been circling the internet for a couple years now where uh, he plays Gambit and he's actually really good at it. So it's like, wow, that's the same dude who played Ivan? That's crazy. It actually made me kind of want to see him as Gambit in a movie. But overall, I, I fucking adore this film. It's everything from the ground up. Like it also has no, no right to do this, but it almost makes me cry at like three different scenes in this fucking movie. It's like, how can there be that much emotional impact in a movie called Hobo with a shotgun? But damn it, Rutger Howard pulls it off. (laughs) What does that say about you as a person? Because I have this problem. I don't cry. Mm -hmm. Like I am an emotional cripple to the point where it's like frustrating to people. Um, but then I watch something like Hobo with a shotgun and I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> exactly. 
They killed the hobo. <laughs> Sorry, spoilers. <laughs> you know, or like when Frankenstein gets sucked into the portal at the end of Monster Squad, <laughs> I hold back tears. Right. For, for shit that's not reality. But like exactly. my daughter's born. Nope. Funerals, right. meh. It, it's really fucking weird. I mean, funerals, there. I, I definitely shed some tears at. Um, I mean, I can usually keep it together for most of it, but there's always at least one point where I kind of lose it. Um, and yeah, with movies, it's weird. I, I, I've talked about this, I believe, on the show before. I know I've told Maurice about this. Um, but like <laughs> Strasberg warned me before Caleb was born. He said, once you become a dad, you it's like you download a feelings patch. So stuff that never bothered you before is suddenly going to bother you. And like I had no like no uh, belief that this was going to happen to me until after Caleb was born. And I watched the Hills Have Eyes remake for the first time. And or for the, for the first time since oh, Caleb. Oh, yeah. Something that I have seen a ton of times. But it gets to that scene, the infamous scene in the trailer, and out of nowhere, it just gurgles up like this uncontrollable wave of tears to the point where I stopped and went, what the fuck was that? What just happened? Like, I got angry with myself. Yeah, it. I still have it. You get that genetic, like, you get like a, a Pavlonian response to babies crying. Yep. <laughs> and you just can't deal i just get like panicky and i have yep. to turn off whatever i'm watching it's it's sub yeah it's not as bad as it was but um i think i didn't cry when my daughter was born because i was like two or three days in with no sleep yeah and i think i was just like baby great wow <laughs> that's there's my also, excuse anyways there's also a level of shock when it comes to first becoming a parent yeah because it was like watching the whole process and then it was a C-section. Oh, geez. So it was like, and the doctors were like, it's beautiful. Watch it. <laughs> you know, I was just like, no, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Clearly, Doc, your my definitions of beauty have are very different. Yeah. But uh, so let's let's jump into the cast here. We've already mentioned multiple times that Rucker Hauer plays the titular hobo. <clears throat> who we would know from Blade Runner, The Hitcher, Split Second, which is a great 90s sci-fi movie, if you guys haven't seen it. It was one of those directed, direct-to-video store type movies. Uh, Venom the movie before Venom the movie. Yep, I loved that. I loved it. Um, he was also the, the head vampire in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but then again, he played Barlow in Salem's Lot, the TV version. So he played lead vampire two times in a row. I could name a hundred movies that I love of him in. Oh, yeah, uh, he, he's in so many. Silent Fury, I think, is the one where he plays. It's like their take on the Blind Samurai. Mm-hmm. Or Blind Fury, I'm sorry. That movie just fucking rocks so hard. It's like another direct-to-video. I don't think uh, I've ever seen that one. Never seen It's on Tubi. I'll and, check it out. Uh, what's, there's like a Blind Samurai that's really popular in Japan. as like a TV series. Mm. So it's their take on it. And it's Rugger Hauer loses his vision of Vietnam and uh is taken in in vietnam and they teach him how to like live again by being blind and they also teach him to be a martial artist and he comes back home and finds his old friend who like left him behind Mm -hmm. who is the stepfather the dude from lost uh terry something 
never watched Lost. You'll recognize him. He's the guy from the first two Stepfather movies. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, you know, bad guy action sequences uh, ensue where he's got, like, a katana built into his cane. And it's, like, older, fatter, Rugger Hauer bumbling, like, drunken master-style sword fighting through this movie. And it's crazy good. Like, he's always cutting off people's arms and legs and just making cracking jokes. Being Rugger Hauer, basically. Right. Uh, it's one of those things that, like, I can watch it. It's maybe I have rose tinted glasses for it, but it's one of those things. Like, I see Roger Howard's in a movie. If I see, um, take your pick of like Brian James, who God, I'm going, I'm going too deep here. You might want to cut this out, but <laughs> you you see actors like uh, John Saxton, uh, uh-huh. right? And it's like, oh, he's in this. I'm gonna like it. Bill Paxton, I'm gonna love it. Lenea Quigley, two thumbs up for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I see Rugger Hauer, I know I'm going to get a level of quality because he never phones it in. Yep. No, that's very true. The, he's he's always good. Like even when he barely has anything to do, like when he was in Sin City, he had very little to do in there, and he was still awesome. Yeah, like he's always going to give you a consistent level of quality at his like very least when he's collecting a paycheck. He's I still I, like above and beyond. I had no idea he was in the sequels to Dracula 2000. Uh, I found that out when I was looking at his IMDb. So I might be going back and watching Dracula 2 and 3. I've never He's watched in, them. Um, Dan O'Bannon's final film, The Bleeders. You might like that. Oh, wait. That's the one that also goes by the name Hemoglobin, right? Yeah, Hemoglobin. And it's like an H.P. Lovecraft yep, and Breath I, Monster story. I've seen that one a couple times. It's based very loosely on the lurking fear, um, which is one of the H.P. Lovecraft story, stories I really like. And um, I love the full moon v- version of the lurking fear, even though it has absolutely nothing to do with the uh, the short story other than, you know, inbred ghouls um, <laughs> or inbred creatures. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes me sleepy. It's one yeah. of my sleepy time movies. Um <laughs> Rugger Hauer. I want to say he's the imaginary grandfather I never had, but that also kind of goes to Tom Atkins. Oh, yeah. Everybody but, loves Tom Atkins. Um, I'll say it's Rugger Hauer for this, and Tom Atkins is my father, even though they're like the same age. <laughs> um, he was also in the Gone Too Soon Channel Zero. If you guys haven't watched Channel Zero, that was a show that got canceled way too fucking soon. There was a lot of good there, but uh, he's he's in, I think it's the third season of Channel Zero. I uh, tapped out after the first season. Oh, dude. You missed so much good stuff. The, the third and fourth season are awesome. I'll but, add it uh, to my never-ending list of I'll get to it. <laughs> but first, I have to watch Sandman. Yes, me too. Multiple times. You well, guys are... I'm disappointed. <laughs> I'm, on, I, I'm on my second watch. Dude, uh, I have fucking uh, COVID. <laughs> that's what how do much you want I, from me? I have a six-year-old. That's how much I loved it. I'm actually watching it again. <laughs> yeah, I, I I need to get to it. It's been something I've been putting off for a while. Uh, not not because I don't want to watch it, just because I haven't had the time to devote to it. And uh, now that I am off with, with COVID, I have really no excuse other than, you know, I was watching stuff for the podcast. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, now that I've watched this, I I, uh, I pretty much don't have any more excuses. So have I will announced the season two? For Sandman? Yeah. I no, they're, they keep on digging, digging us around. It's like the highest rated show like ever 
on Netflix, but <laughs> they're not. Is it? Like, I'm guessing it's a budgeting deal. thing because Netflix. Well, yeah, because it's very expensive. Like Neil Gaiman said that it's, it's, but he's also said that he's already got like offers if they don't pick it up. Wait. Oh yeah. So uh, there's not, season two. Not to derail the show. <laughs> Sandman is Vertigo, right? Yes. Yeah. Vertigo is Warner Brothers. I wonder if there's some sort of co-production cost with Warner Brothers, which is now like hemorrhaging money. Yeah, let's say Warner so Brothers I wonder if is they have killing to, like, everything. Get some oh. production costs from somewhere else. Yeah. I wonder if Netflix was like, we'll cover half, and Warner Brothers was like, we'll cover half. Whatever. It'll happen. <laughs> and hey, apparently it's so good. There's the comics too. So true, true. Anyways, um, but yeah, so we have, like I said, uh, Hobo played by Rucker Hauer. Abby is played by Molly Dunsworth. Uh, we would know her from Trailer Park Boys, uh, Haven, and the the show From, which you keep telling me is good, Mike. Um, All right, so I'll tell you what, out. Maurice, you watch From. I'll watch Sandman. <laughs> <laughs> Deal. I definitely want to check out both. I think the first season's on Amazon. I, I keep forgetting to check. Uh, I just got like a monthly subscription for like one month to Plex mm-hmm. and just watched it. And uh, it's so good. Anyways. Uh, then we have the Drake played by Brian Downey. Uh, he was in Millennium, Sybil, Lizzie Borden took an axe and Trailer Park Boys. That's... Slick. What's that? So much of this cast is from Trailer Park Boys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm watching it, and I'm like, "Where's where are they from? Where are they from?" And it's because of Trailer Park Boys. Trailer Park Boys and Haven are the two that uh, kept popping up throughout the the credits listing. Filmed um, in Nova Scotia, and that's why. <laughs> yep, we have Slick, uh, played by Gregory Smith. He was in Are You Afraid of the Dark, The Outer Limits, Small Soldiers, and The Patriot. Then Ivan, uh, also Rip of the Plague was nick bateman he was in uh the original space janitors my babysitter's a vampire and like i said the gambit shorts uh then grinder was played by peter simmis he was in charlie's own call me fits and or call me fritz and haven so not not a huge cast a lot of other people who were just like in this and other shorts um so like the santa and you know people like that that have a moment on screen but that's about it but uh, the basic plot for anyone who's never seen this movie, it's uh, when surrounded with violent crime, a homeless man is forced to become a vigilante and clean up the streets with his trusty shotgun. So kind of forced against his will, but uh, he does what has to be done. So we open the film with the titular hobo riding the rails into Hope Town, which is uh, spray painted over hope and replaced with scum. So it's scum town. Well, a jaunty little jingle plays, and we get the opening credits and title card. So, Mike, how do you feel? Because this kind of sets a tone for the movie of, like, the genre mashing that it does. Mm-hmm. So you get, like, that 70s exploitation film style shot in Technicolor of Hobo riding the rails. Yep. And it's, like, beautiful, wide shot. You get that, of that sweeping music. The dark side of Nova Scotia in Canada. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. How do you feel about it? I love it. It kind of jumps throughout the movie. It kind of starts here and then ends up in Tromaville. It reminds me very much of films like Motel Hell um, that have those like the quiet moments that almost feel like 
a soap opera or like a made for TV movie. And then they jump to like the really fucked up weird stuff. So there, there's definitely a genre of filmmaking in like the late seventies, early eighties where we were still playing with certain tropes. Like if you have quiet time or if you have like, you know, a tender moment between your characters, it always had the same type of music, the same type of lighting where it was very much feeling like a soap opera. And um, they didn't really play around with that formula too much. And I kind of love that this film does that. It takes the, those bits of that 70s and 80s filmmaking and then smashes it against Tromaville, you know, which is it, like I actually have a note in here that Scumtown is the neighboring town to Tromaville. Yeah. And so, so is uh, what New York City and the Ninja Turtles. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Which is funny because I also have a Ninja Turtles reference in here later. Um, but yeah, within seconds of him arriving, we see how fucked up Scumtown is. We see barrels on fire, graffiti everywhere. And I, and I had to laugh at this. I paused it because there's a, gr- a very prominent graffiti behind the hobo that says stink mitt. And I'm like, stink mitt? <laughs> that just sounds <laughs> awful. Uh, COVID laugh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but then the uh, the hobo walks up on some bum fights being filmed by this little asshole who will come back into play a little bit later. Um, we then see a man with his hands bound and a manhole cover around his neck screaming for anyone to help him, saying they're going to kill me. This is where we're introduced to the Drake and his two sons, Ivan and Slick, and the assholes who run Scumtown. Probably now in 2022, the second most famous actor in this film, Ricky from Trailer Park Boys. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't include him because it's just a cameo. But yeah, <laughs> he um, so, yeah, basically we find out that this man is the Drake's brother and we never get a really good explanation on why they're trying to kill him other than it's his turn. Like they're like, sorry, boy, it's your turn. It's like and he's like basically saying he can't show mercy to his brother. Uh, so they open a manhole and drop him in. So he's hanging by his head, which always looks painful in every single scene that they do this. I always wonder, like, wouldn't that break your neck? That, right. That's the same thing I was thinking. But then again, I was like, well, I'm also in this strange movie where there's like demon bikers. So whatever. Um, it works. Yeah. But they then wrap a barbed wire noose around his neck and uh, which is attached to a car and they drive off, ripping his head off in a spectacular shower of blood, while a random actress looking for her big break dances around in the blood fountain and rubs herself. <laughs> so, it's a little much. <laughs> but the overacting is absolutely insane here. Like, Slick and Ivan are basically cartoon villains if they were allowed to swear and murder. Like, Ivan literally yells at the crowd of people watching, Go the fuck home, everybody, and don't forget to wash your dicks. And then he wash, walks away. It's like, okay. <laughs> like You know, like, they have every single line of dialogue from Ivan, Slick. It, it's just bizarre, batshit, 80s villain perfection. Oh, yeah. Um, and there is nothing. On, there, it's not. It's very realistic that if somebody gets their head decapitated, a random spokesmodel will come and dance. <laughs> Well, I mean, I guess it depends on, you know, if it's in Nova Scotia or not. In Nova Scotia, that is a thing. So, you know, it makes sense. I went there on my honeymoon. Let me tell you, women hate clothes there. They just, oh, yeah. They're dancing on everything. And it's like, you think we're cold. Holy shit. You should go to Nova Scotia. They don't give a shit. 
They'll, they they celebrate every minor achievement by a man there by dancing like sluts. It's the best. <laughs> Just rubbing themselves in a shower of blood. Yep. <laughs> also, fun fact, ketchup isn't a common can- condiment in uh, Canada. I found that out the hard way. Really? Yeah, it's fucking bizarre. Like, you ask for ketchup, and they look at you like you're retarded. Um, it's, it's just like, you know, it's a go-to simple condiment when you get a meal somewhere, but they're all about like vinegar, gravy, and mustard. I mean, a, I like all of those things too, but you know, bust, like I have, if I get a chicken nugget, I want ketchup, right? See, now I don't do the chicken nuggets with ketchup. My, my son does that. You do I ranch, do don't you, you weirdo? Barbecue or sweet and sour. I was yeah. gonna say, I like honey mustard, uh, barbecue sauce, or honestly, I like blue cheese. Um, but yeah, normally it's it's hun- like if I get like if if we go to McDonald's or something, I always get honey mustard with mine. Weird, so <laughs> fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, right. I can't I can't do ketchup on chicken. It just doesn't work for me. I'll just rip somebody's head off <laughs> and substitute the blood for ketchup and have there them dance around me while I eat my nuggies. <laughs> um, I, that's I'm sorry, I just painted a weird mental image. Um, it's just you eating blood-soaked dinosaur nuggies. All right. Jokes aside, when you have a six-year-old, you eat an unhealthy amount of chicken nuggets. Oh, true. Like I've taken years off of my life from fucking chicken nuggets. I can't help it. Mm-hmm. And you do everything you can to spice it up, but there's still Dinosaur-shaped pieces of shit <laughs> that, for whatever reason, your kid will only eat that. And it doesn't make sense to make yourself a meal. So you just eat them, and you die a little inside every time. Delicious beaks and feathers. Yeah. Mm. Chicken asshole in the shape of a fucking stegosaurus. Mm-mm. That's yummy, good. Yummy. <laughs> but... The hobo watches and watches disgusted as the denizens of Scumtown just go back to their lives. So walking the streets, he comes up upon a, uh, a pawn shop with a lawnmower in the window for forty nine ninety nine, which gives him his goal. He wants to save up his money and buy the mower to start a lawn mowing business. Cut to him making a cardboard sign. And this is the first of many scenes that breaks my heart a little. The first sign he writes says, need money for a five-year-old son who lost leg. He sighs, disgusted by the lie, and rips up, rips up the sign. He then makes a new one that simply just says, I am tired. I choke up every fucking time. I'm like, oh, God, Grandpa. Yeah. Like, it's just... <sighs> Sad Rutger Hauer is hard to watch. Jokes aside here, mm-hmm. I have a rule. I don't like panhandlers. Mm-hmm. But if you go out of your way to do something creative with me, I will give you some money. It, see, and that's the thing, like... It, Depending on where you go, it it you're just not going to be able to avoid it. Um, like so, I remember. Oh, good. Oh yeah, you. As I say, when we went to Toronto in the early 2000s, it was just like all up and down Queen Street. There were so many homeless people, and I mean, you you can't give money to everybody, otherwise you'd end up going broke. But it's like everybody was vying for your attention. There was this one guy, like I had literally just given my last bit of change to to this this man and woman. And this guy comes up and he goes, you know, he asked for change. And I was like, sorry, buddy, I, I literally am I'm tapped out. And he goes, can I get a smoke? And I was like, all right. And he goes, hold on, hold on. I'll do a dance for it. And he just did this little jig. And it was hilarious. He was like slapping his knees. And then he kind of held out his hand like a ta-da. 
And I'm like, you know what, dude, here. And I handed him like four smokes because I'm like, that was just awesome. We should establish that the homeless in Canada, Canada, oh my God. (laughs) The homeless in Canada are entirely different than the homeless in America. Yeah. So you get professional panhandlers up here. Uh, something that I probably complain to you guys a lot. I've got COVID brain right now, but you get people that like have nice houses and they actually can get a job, but they have some sort of racket going where they stand on a nice curb and they can bring home two, three hundred dollars a day mm-hmm. by looking like bums and you know cornering cars. I don't like that. Oh yeah. Um, but if you're gonna tell me a joke, so I used to live in downtown Rochester, and there was a few guys that had like a hundred jokes that they memorized. You you have bought my time. Here's a couple bucks. That's yep. hilarious. You can do a magic trick. Awesome. Um, I saw a woman in Atlantic City, which is a shithole. No arms, no legs. Wrapped up in a blanket like Glowworm. Playing a tiny Linus piano. Oh, my God. And I just emptied my pockets. Yeah. <laughs> I because, mean, be you know fair, what? You're working She's working for, for it. Yeah. It's a street performer at that point. Like you're, you're, you're put, you're, you're creating art for someone to enjoy. If you have a sign that says I'm tired, you're telling me the truth. Your truth is worth my money. Yep. But if you're saying like alligator, alligator ate my son's leg, I need $5 or like another hard, we were just talking about this earlier. If you have your kids with you while you're panhandling, I'm going to call the cops. Yeah. Don't do that. That is a line. Do not cross because you're using kids as a pawn to get sympathy, to get money because because either A, you don't want to work or you have a crippling drug addiction, which means you don't need your kids. Yep. The um, one the one I always got at the hospital when I used to work afternoon shift is people would always be like, I need 10 bucks to get enough gas to get back to Rochester. It was always Rochester. No, they weren't driving yeah. to Buffalo. They were always driving to Rochester. And it was get like. And it was always only 10 bucks. And it's like, you know, I've driven back and forth between Rochester and here. And, uh, you know, 10 bucks ain't going to get you a lot of gas. <laughs> like, even 10 years ago, it wasn't going to get you a lot of gas. You can ride the rails for free. <laughs> exactly. Like the hobo. All so, right. I'll, I'll, I'm done being serious. I'll make with the ha-has. <laughs> so we cut to that night with the uh, the hobo on the sidewalk begging for change. Some really gross punks come up and like hork a loogie on his sign and mock him. The one girl just screams, I dare you to lick his dick, which is like, uh, they then grab another hobo and drag him into Drake's nightclub, which I'm pretty sure that hobo was the director. The guy yes. who uh, gets dragged away. Yeah, it's been a while since I've listened to the commentary track, but I'm pretty he sure he is one of the bums in the movie. Yeah, I think that that's the specific one. But uh, the hobo puts puts his change in his sock and then sees Slick pull up and decides to follow him into the nightclub. And this is a good point because they hammer away that he's invisible to the world uh, several times in the first act of the movie. Well, yeah, because they they have the the comment later of did anyone welcome you to town? And he goes, they never do. You know, so it's just he's always. Always invisible. But inside the nightclub, it's sheer insanity. It's like the club from TMNT, like the original <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie that the foot soldiers were gathering children to. You know, it's... it wasn't that bad. Like the deal that Shredder offers you. <laughs> True. You're a street kid. You got nothing to do. You steal some stereos. 
and you get to hang out in this awesome club with video games and a half pipe. Yep. It also <laughs> reminded me of the club in RoboCop 2. I was just gonna say that the it's it's like that mixed with the the club from RoboCop two on meth, <laughs> because it's just sheer nuts. Like we see the punks who gra- dragged the hobo in. They have other hobos who they're murdering via bumper cars with metal plates on them. So they're holding like they hold out a hobo head into the into the bumper car arena. And then these bumper cars come flying up on either side with metal plates between them and just smash the hobo's head. It's fucking disgusting. And then they start scooping up brain matter and like force feeding it to another hobo before they put them on the on the track. It's just gross. And then Ivan has another hobo tied up to a test your strength game where he just shatters the man's foot with a hammer like it, it fucking explodes. Like it looks like like there was no meat or bone in his foot like it was just a hollow foot filled with blood because it just fucking explodes yeah it's ugh, it's creepy but slick goes and finds this guy named otis in the arcade who owes him money i like that he was playing the plague arcade game which was kind of like a cross between double dragon and narc was that Uh, like an actual promotional item for the movie when this came out was it like player flash game i don't know of that, but I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't uh, if they didn't like pay someone to do like a one level flash animation game just for that scene. Because I would play the fuck out of that. Oh, yeah. No, with I think might as well just say it here with the, with the plague. Um, when it comes to anything plague, like I want toys of them. I want a video game of them. <laughs> They're just the coolest looking characters. I would join them. <laughs> Especially because they have a Kraken in their hideout. They're they're just cool dudes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so the, he goes over and he starts threatening Otis to, to basically give him the money. Otis begs him not to hurt him. And this is where we meet Abby, the hooker with the heart of gold. She steps in to try, uh, to try and get Slick to leave Otis alone. She tells him he's just a kid. Come on, man. Let it slide. To which he responds with, the only thing I'm going to let slide is my dick in your pussy. Because we're working with some stellar dialogue here. Oh, yeah. It's the award for best script in <laughs> the 2012 Oscars went to Hobo with the Shotgun. Fun fact. <laughs> it's some of the stuff, like, again, watching it critically, like Maurice mentioned, you can't help but overlook or you can't overlook these types of lines. If you're just watching it passively, these lines are groaners or they make you laugh because they're so absurd. But when you're watching it critically, it's like, wow, that just, that's, that's a hard line to get past. Yeah. These pickup lines got me, uh, my wife. (laughs) When I pulled up to her in the parking lot, immediate play. And I said, Hey, I want to eat the corn out of your shit. She was like, marry me. (laughs) <laughs> what a man oh i got things to say about that guy too holy hubba, crap hubba. <laughs> but then we get uh ivan grabs otis and breaks his arm while slick proclaims how to never feel pain again to the entire crowd and slams down a giant bag of coke on the arcade game and then forces Otis to snort it. He runs away high as a kite laughing, and then the rest of the teens jump on the coke pile like piranha. This is something we'll see it a couple times in this movie alone, but I love this 
in trashy 80s and 90s movies. Anytime there's cocaine in one of these films, it's just bags of flour that people are throwing at their face. Like, I've never done coke, but I'm pretty sure that's not how you do it. <laughs> I'm you pretty just... sure that's how you die. <laughs> um, just throw handfuls of it at your face. And, like, wasting that much cocaine. Right. Probably not a good idea. And I always feel bad for actors in these movies that have to do, like, the lines of fake cocaine. What the fuck is it? <laughs> I know, right? Like, what are you it, snorting? It's, like... it's probably sugar. <laughs> it's, I don't want to snort anything, man. It's pixie sticks. Like, remember when you were a kid and you did this? Here, just do it again. <laughs> oh, man. I couldn't use... Um... You ever use those inhalers to, like, make your congestion go away? Oh, yeah. Uh, what the hell are they called? Like, so, like you're talking the about pump? the... Yeah, yeah. Like, like an the, over-the-counter uh, pump? Yeah. Until I was, like, 35, because I just couldn't stomach the idea of snorting things. Oh, yeah. No, I have to use nose spray all the time. I mean, like, now that I know what it does, I love it. But, yeah. you know, back then I was like, nothing goes up my nose. <laughs> Except my finger. That's right. I couldn't, you know, if I could... I couldn't stop my running nose by plugging it up with my pinky. Why bother? <laughs> do, do you do the, the twisted up Kleenex and just stick them in there? Yeah, you know, I, I would do like the man pond up my nose. Yep. With the Kleenex <laughs> and I would just walk around all day like, you know, you got a bloody nose and you just jam a whole lot of uh, cotton up there. Yeah, that's how you do. <laughs> but... <laughs> So uh, Slick then grabs Abby saying, and this another one of his stellar lines, you know how I can tell I'm making you wet because you're making my dick so thirsty. I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, seriously, what? Like, you know, the writer was just grinning as he wrote that line. Like, oh, yeah, this is going to be good. Like, I feel like he may have wrote this when he was like in eighth grade. I mean, you might not be wrong, man, because it feels like a movie that should have come out in the 80s. I want, <laughs> like, an inspirational poster, like, with Slick's face and all of his quotes. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I had to pause because I started cackling. Oh, man. Yeah, no, that, I would buy that. I would absolutely buy that and hang that up in my computer room. Holy shit. So... <laughs> Uh, Slick and Abby head to the back of the club because, you know, he's basically going to he's going to be a John. Um, and then she's surprised to see some dude in a mask with a garbage bag standing there who God only knows what they had planned. But she starts saying, you know, this isn't what I signed up for. And he's like, oh, you're going to fucking love it and starts dragging her toward the creepy guy. In comes the hobo and we get this absolutely ridiculous exchange which i fucking love slick pulls a knife because he tells him to, he says let the girl go he pulls a knife and the hobo says put that knife away kid or i'll cut welfare checks from your rotten skin and slick <laughs> runs at him saying well you better cut one to mother Teresa so she can give it to so she, uh, so you can give it to her while she's finger banging you in hell <laughs> The hobo smacks him with a cane and a sock full of quarters and yells, shut your filthy mouth. Mother Teresa is a saint. <laughs> Every time I lose my shit, it's so dumb, but so hilarious. Like, I also love it when anyone gets smacked with a sock full of quarters. I don't know why that cracks me up so much, 
Maybe because of mall rats. I don't know. But like we talked about it on Death Wish with the sock full of quarters. I couldn't stop laughing about it. It's this. It's, there's also some weird parallels this month. This is the second movie this month with a sock full of quarters. Hey, any creative use of Mother Teresa in a movie like this is thumbs up for me. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> but the hobo carries an unconscious slick to the police station, dropping him on the counter and demanding they lock him up. He meets the chief of police here who tries to tell him how awful the town is and how things have just gotten completely out of hand. He goes on to say how some of the cops must be working with the Drake. Otherwise, things could have never gotten this bad. Suddenly, Slick and Ivan come in, and that's where we find out that the chief is on the Drake's payroll. They hold him down, bind his hands, and Slick carves scum into the hobo's chest with his knife. Cut to Abby walking home as a John pulls up and tells her, You're so hot, <laughs> you make me want to cut my dick off and rub it all over your titties. What? <laughs> Like, <laughs> and then he follows it up with i'm gonna make you love the taste of my rot what like why is it rotting What's... God, this episode would have been perfect with a female perspective just so we could see if any of these lines would work <laughs> i'm pretty sure spoiler warning they won't oh man <laughs> Oh, my Lord. But, uh, oh, I forgot to mention, after they carve scum into his chest, they throw him in the trash. Um, So now, while she's talking to this weirdo, the hobo slowly staggers out into the street and into Abby and begs her for help. The John takes off, she takes the hobo home, and we get this quiet moment where they share a drink and talk about how much life sucks while she cleans him up. Um, Would you ever take a hobo in? I think it depends on the situation. Have you ever taken a stray cat in? Yes. I mean, tomato, tomato. <laughs> I've I've actually done that a couple times. So, <laughs> um, and and one of them, one of that was one of the best cats I've ever had. Lenore was a she was a sweet girl. I mean, I I've had a hobo that shat in a box <laughs> that uh, lived in my basement for a little while. So I mean, you know, yeah. But um, now th- this this whole sequence is kind of depressing. He gets in his head that she should be a teacher. <clears throat> she she tells him that she doesn't have many options and that she has to fuck for a living. And this is where he kind of like jumps up kind of frustrated. And he's like, well, I don't know anything about that. And she's like, hey, hey, calm down. And th- this is the part that gets me. Oh, my God. Like it just every time it chokes me up. He, you know, she tells him to you know, to take it easy. And he goes, I think I'm okay now. He goes, I just, I tell my brain when I know I'm hurting, I just say, I got nothing for you, buddy, nothing to make it go away. So just go to hell. And then he goes, he's like a brother to me now. And brothers fight sometimes. And just the way he delivers those lines, it's just, it's gut wrenching. It's like, Oh my God. Like Rucker Howard is just so good. (laughs) Like gone too soon, man. And it's also, if you remember, my speech in the Death Wish episode of the Freudian complex of some men only see women as saints or sluts. Yeah. He's putting her on this pedestal where he doesn't see her, which she is, which is a whore. Mm-hmm. He sees her as the saintly teacher. Yep. He's seeing the best in people. Uh, this side of Rucker Howard or the hobo. He, he's never has a name, does he? He's just the hobo. Nope, he's just the hobo. Yep. But yeah, I mean, like, 
I, I seriously dare anyone who thinks this movie is trash to watch this scene, like seriously, critically watch Rucker Howard's performance in this scene and tell me that he's not putting in a fucking amazing performance. Cause like, I'm, I'm getting a little wet. <laughs> seriously. Like, he's, he's Hope my just... eyes aren't making your dick thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how we got into this mess. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit. But no, seriously, like I you know, he's just he's one of those actors I've always enjoyed and this was like when I finally watched this film, I was just blown away. Um which actually, you know, I should have told this story at the at the top, but I'm going to tell it now. This is one of those films. I used to have this this uh weekly thing I would do when I cuz I used to work every single Monday overnight for years. So when I'd get out Tuesday morning, I would always go to Walmart because, you know, they had the new media day. So it was like new DVDs were out, you know, stuff like that. So I'd always check the toys, check the DVDs. And whoever was ordering DVDs at the Walmart in the Falls for the longest time was ordering weird horror movies. So there was always shit that I couldn't find anywhere else for like $10. And sometimes it was a shitty movie like Muck, where I was like, I'll never watch that movie again. And other times it was amazing movies like this. So I had not even heard of this film. All I saw was the cover. And I was like, okay, first of all, the cover alone is, is, is a really cool cover art. It's, it's one of those like retro style posters, but a movie called hobo with a shotgun starring Rutger Hauer. That was all I needed to see. I'm like, yep, this is coming home with me. I did the same thing, but media play. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> Every Friday night off of work. Mm-hmm. I got nowhere to be. I got nothing to do. I would go to media play. I would yep. buy a movie or five, get a pizza, <laughs> yep, and lock myself in my apartment. I used to do that when Media Play was still open. Um, when I first got my house, I would do that every Tuesday evening. I because again, I was I was off every Tuesday, so I would go over to Media Play. I'd check the video games, check the music, check the movies. I would almost always come home with a DVD or two, sometimes a toy, depending on what they had. Um, like when they were doing the NECA Hellraiser line, like I was always picking up those. Um, but yeah, like I, I love that. I mean, I, I miss physical media, but I don't miss physical media. It's weird. Like I love, I still buy physical media, but like, I kind of miss, you know, going to a store on like new release day and buying new DVDs or new CDs. But at the same time, I also kind of love just being like turning on my computer and being like, hey, it's available. <laughs> like, that's really fun, too. I have this obsession. That's not an obsession, like this paranoia that it's not going to be streaming, which happens a lot. So I have to own yeah. it. If I absolutely love it, then I buy it. Yeah, no, I'm this. I'm the same in that regard. But like like I got out of that mindset with video games because of Steam. Um, like and I know there, there's that part of me in the back of my head that's like. You do know if Steam, if Valve ever goes bankrupt, all of those games that you own, if they're not downloaded to your computer, you will never play again. So that that always freaks me out thinking about that. But I've had Steam since, what, early 2000s? And we're all good, so doesn't matter. But anyway. <laughs> Maurice can sneak in your house and steal anything he wants. Indeed. Uh- I was just going to say uh, breaking news. Oh, I'm reading about steam. No, I'm just kidding. Oh no. <laughs> 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 but 
but uh so yeah back to the back to the movie um abby gives uh gives him her bed to sleep in in spite of his protests of that he'll he'll go outside to sleep she's like no just you know lay in the bed and he's commenting you know he's thanking her and he's telling her he can't remember the last time he slept in a real bed and then she goes to give him a sweatshirt with a bear on it telling him you know i don't want you to get blood in my bed and i love the genuine joy on his face he like he looks at the bear and he goes oh i like that and then he just holds it up to his nose and inhales deeply the smell of fresh laundry like he has no right to elevate this film as much as he does it's so good but he tells abby all about bears and we get get a bit of foreshadowing here this is the most important scene of the movie it really is indicator that the movie's better than it lets on Mm -hmm. because Listen to the scene about bears and getting a taste for blood. Exactly. And becoming man killers. And then after that point, watch Rucker Hauer. Yep. It's it's so again, it's so good. It's this movie is criminally underrated. But like he tells her about how bears live in this they live in a magic circle. That basically if you're outside of the circle, they leave you alone. If you encroach upon their space, you know, they'll they'll kill you, they'll maul you. Um, and he was telling how powerful they are, you know, a single swipe from a bear's claw could take your entire face right off the bones. And, um, he says that, you know, the problem with, with bears is if once they get a taste of blood, they become man killers. So like if they get a taste for human blood, um, and then they have, they go on a rampage and they have to be destroyed. And he goes, that's why you should never hug a bear. That's like, Ooh, foreshadowing. Um, cause the next day, the this hobo is also go- a favorite scene of mine because I always, I watch it and it's like, I didn't really have a grandfather growing up. Mm-hmm. I always okay. wanted a grandfather to tell me cool stories like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I was close with my grandfather and that, that, I think that's one of the, uh, deaths in my family that hit me the hardest when, when my grandfather passed away. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I've been. Like when both of my grandmothers died, it was extremely depressing. And I was I was in a, a rut for a while because it was very close to them as well. But me and my grandpa were always close. Like I used to spend uh, every Saturday night when I was little, I would sleep over their house. And because uh, my parents were on a bowling league, they'd be out to like three in the morning. So like me and my brother and my sister would sleep over there. And then when my brother and sister got a little bit older, I still wanted to sleep at my grandparents' house. And me and my grandfather used to sit up every Saturday night and watch Tales from the Crypt. So it's like I have a lot of memories distinctly tied to my grandfather of watching Tales from the Crypt and watching old westerns because we used to watch a lot of western movies. And so it's also where it's my like, westerns come from. Cool stories. He would occasionally tell me funny stories about because he used to run. Um, there were okay, you know the the like Olin and uh, Oxychem factories down in Niagara Falls. Like he used to be one of the head, the union heads for that area. So it was the, the hooker union, which everyone always laughs at the title, but um, it was, uh, he was one of the, the lead union reps. So he would tell me a lot of the stories of some of the union shit they got up to um, some of the rather illegal shit <laughs> that they got up to. But um, like one of, one of my favorites is something he didn't condone, but um it was, I want to say it was at the Oxychem plant and, uh, there was a boss who was not working with the, the union, so to speak. And a couple of the guys took a very large gear up to the top of the plant and threw it on his car in the parking lot. 
it went clean through the engine block and into the ground. <laughs> so, and nobody saw anything. Conveniently, all the security guards didn't see nothing. None of the workers saw nothing. That gear must have tripped and fell. <laughs> it, it fall down, go boom. What a shame. Yep. So it's, it was interesting. But uh, funny thing is, years later, um, like years after my grandfather had passed, there was a security guard working at the hospital named Frank, really awesome older guy. He was in his 20s working at the plants that my grandfather was the union rep for. So he knew my grandfather really well, like he became a, a union rep himself. So I used to get secondhand stories of my grandfather as as a union rep from working with Frank. It was it was very cool to hear. So uh, what happens at the hospital if they uh, not your hospital, obviously, like that other hospital? If they don't play ball, like do corpses end up in back seats or <laughs> um, considering my union doesn't seem to want to do nothing? I, I don't think so. <laughs> so Maurice knows all about my union. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, before I get myself in trouble talking about that. Um, so the next day, the hobo goes back out to the streets, sees women fighting, a pimp forcing a very young prostitute to go with a John and a pedo Santa with a kidnapped kid in the back of his car, which is really fucked up. So Scumtown Look, I'm is sorry. up to his name. I laughed my ass off at that scene. <laughs> really? See, that, that one always, it always disturbs me. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> it's so over the top and stupid. I mean, the cackling Santa is pretty hilarious. Yeah. But <laughs> the kid in the back window, like, banging on the glass, I was just like, ha, 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 ha. I mean, maybe it's the COVID. Maybe uh, I'm a mean-spirited son of a bitch. I don't know. Either way, it's pretty funny. But, uh, so the hobo goes back to the bum fights guy to make the money he needs for the lawnmower. The guy makes him chew glass and pick it up, or pick up the money with his mouth, just hurting him and humiliating him. And it, it's gruesome. And the, the one thing I want to comment on with this bloody mouth uh, scene where we see him chewing the glass, and again, the look on his face is so fucked up. Um, then when he starts like drooling the blood out, his mouth stays fucked up for most of the movie. Because he's the bearer. Right. Taste blood. This exactly. is the turning point where he yep. stops being the innocent hobo and becomes the man eater. And I, I bet that that was Rucker Hauer's request. Oh, probably. Like, cause again, if you, if you have the DVD of this and listen to the commentary track, like Rucker Hauer takes this entire film very seriously. Like he knows that he gets the comedy, but he takes the role very seriously. And he talks about all of that in the commentary track. It's really great to listen to. Um, but so the hobo heads off to the pawn shop, finally going to, going to get his lawnmower and he's still spitting blood and glass, which is like, Oh, poor guy. But before he can buy anything, three assholes and masks come in to rob the place and threaten to kill a woman and her baby. The hobo looks up, sees a shotgun on the wall for the same price. Next thing you know, he murders all three psychos, slams the money on the counter, and tells the man to keep the change. <laughs> the the power of his shotgun. Yeah. This will change a penny. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, you can pay tax. Um, shotguns are my favorite weapons. I've never fired one. I, I've never fired a gun. Mm-hmm. But in video games or like my G.I. Joe's, I love shotguns. Oh, yeah. 
they're just cool to me. I don't know what I think it's Reggie Bannister and Phantasm. That and Evil Dead. And Evil like, Dead. Shotguns are like a, a go-to weapon in horror movies. And yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I've I've never fired a real gun either. It not for lack of wanting, because I would definitely love to go shooting, but I don't have, you know, a, a license to do so. Um but yeah, I I have I can imagine a shotgun is quite powerful, you know, but uh, yeah, never fired one. But this is kind of where act one ends, where we get the the hobo has has taken the turn. So at this point in the film, what are you guys thinking? I just want to watch the whole all of it all over again. I love it. (laughs) Maurice, what about you? Yeah, I'm loving it so far. Nothing uh, sticking out to you as like, meh. I mean, you know, you get the part where, you know, he gets the gun and everything and becomes the actual hobo with the shotgun. So mm. that part was pretty cool. Um, some some of the scenes, like I said before, I wasn't really uh, thrilled with, but. Yeah. Some of the greatest lines of dialogue ever committed <laughs> to cinema. <laughs> oh, you know, if I ever get a chance to watch this on the big screen, I'm going to be ecstatic. They should have a sing-along. <laughs> Hobo with a shotgun, the musical. Just, oh, man. <laughs> Just have the audience participation, like when you see Evil Dead in the theater and everybody has to say groovy and, you know, work shed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> say work shed, work shed. Oh, man. I want to eat the corn out of her shit. <laughs> I'm going to make you taste my rot. Oh, man. So... We open act two with an absolutely wonderful montage of the hobo wrecking fools. First up is Mr. Bum fights. He shoots him in the gut and makes him eat his videotape, which is hilarious. Next up is the pimp who was forcing the teenage girl into prostitution. Uh, He blows him away. And we get these great little newspaper headlines between the killing (laughs) where it's like, (laughs) I love this. Hobo stops begging. Demands change. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who that newscaster yeah. is, but he's somebody important. It's uh, yeah. I I looked him up because I was thinking the same thing. I didn't notice anything uh, that he did of important uh, importance, but uh, he does look very familiar. But Maurice, what what did you say? I didn't hear you. Uh, these newspaper headlines were pretty pretty good. Oh yeah, no, they're fucking hilarious. I I also I love that trope in both cartoons and movies where it's like the spinning newspaper headline. Um, it's just such a dumb trope, but I love it. So next up, we see two guys coked out of their fucking minds. And again, movie Coke throwing handfuls at their face, playing poker while several girls are bound up and bloody hanging from the ceiling. The hobo comes in with a ski mask and the shotgun in his own mouth. At first he scares the shit out of them and then starts laughing And, you know, the two of them are high as fuck, so they start laughing along with him. And then he pulls the gun out of his mouth, rolls the mask up, looks at him, cocks the gun, says hallelujah, and blasts him away (laughs) while the girls scream. Apparently, that was Rutger's idea. Yeah, that is like acting Rutger Hauer's like, you guys want to see Unhinged? (laughs) Right. (laughs) And he just goes balls to the wall, because that's like truly fucking scary. Yep. Well, and the funny thing is, like, again, on the commentary, they talk about that. And, like, I guess the scene, you know, he was that that scene, that set piece was still scripted. 
you know, he was going to come in and kill both the guys and save the girls. But Rutger came up with the whole idea of why don't I cut holes in my hat to make it like a ski mask and just come in holding the gun in my mouth and acting crazy. And the director was like, fucking go for it. And then he he pulled this out. So that was like all Rutger improv. If you're making a movie and you have Rutger Hauer, yeah. if Rutger Hauer has any kind of fucking suggestion, you're not going to say no. Oh, fuck no. Him and Michael Parks, those, those two actors, because they're always good. Yeah, whatever they like, do. You're making uh, Niagara Falls nuclear waste zombies in the movie. <laughs> right? Yep. And you have the star of the film, Edward Furlong. <laughs> and Ed- Edward Furlong is like, hey, I got an idea. I'm going to improv, man. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get really drunk and smoke some crack. <laughs> you're going to be like, okay, do it. I mean, in that particular scenario, absolutely. <laughs> because in Niagara Falls, would you say crack zombies? Toxic waste, some crack zombies, sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it would make sense to the film. Oh, my God. But, yeah, so he you know, he kills them. Then we get another newspaper headline. Parents smile as bodies pile up. Vigilante inspires neighborhood watch. He then gets Pedo Santa who is creepily jacking it as he watches kids at the park. And the hobo sticks the shotgun in his binoculars and says, jerk on this, you child molesting shit licker, and blows his head off <laughs> in spectacular fashion. I love that he's just dressed as Santa Claus all yep. the time. I See, this is one of my favorite head explode scenes when they, when they just go ape shit with it, where it's like someone mixed like cantaloupe and red food coloring and slime it just throws it on a wall or a window and lets it run down it's just oh it's fantastic i think i have to watch again like i wonder how like the more evil the character the more insane amount of blood you get that's that's possible i wonder if there's a correlation or not i don't know but then we get my favorite one where pans back to the uh, the newspaper and goes, hobo delivers justice one shell at a time. We pan out and see a newspaper box. Someone smashes it and steals the papers and then gets shot off screen. And you just see bloody newspaper go flying. <laughs> Every time it makes me laugh. But so we see a uh, we then see a news report on the hobo. And how he's inspired citizens to fight back against the crime. We end the montage by panning out to a very pissed off Drake shooting his television. We now see a scene at Drake's uh, little hideout that um, has him and uh, has him slick and Ivan kind of standing in this room that's set up to look like the Last Supper, like where there's mannequins. In- and it says the Last Supper. Like if you weren't sure what it was, right? Last Supper. It's just like, okay, and then there's just the entire time there's a guy hanging in the background from the ceiling from his feet being beaten by three half-naked women with baseball bats. That happens in The Last Supper, right? I, I uh, Apparently I missed that chapter, but, you know, <laughs> it's like, but uh, it's, we find out, Drake finds out here that uh, Slick was given his shiner by the hobo and he wants him to get out there and make the entire town afraid of him. So the whole time this speech is going on, uh, like I said, this guy is just screaming in the background and they're beating him with baseball bats. The Drake ends his speech about fear by pulling out a baseball bat covered in razor blades 
and uses it to split the hanging man's stomach open, spilling his guts everywhere. When life gives you razor blades, yep, you, you make a get... baseball bat covered in razor blades, <laughs> or whatever the line of dialogue was. Yep. Well, that's the thing. He was telling he was telling Slick like you know he wants to be afraid of him. He's like, cause Slick is like, I'm going to nail, I'm going to crucify him to a homeless shelter. I'm going to spread his guts all over the streets. Like, and he's like, you know, ah, that's revenge. That's not scary. He goes, I want to scare you. He goes, you got to think bigger. So the next day Slick takes his dad's advice and finds a way to make the entire town afraid. He and Ivan get on a school bus filled with children, uh, carrying a flamethrower and two boom boxes playing disco Inferno. <laughs> this scene is so over the top because he goes, do you kids like school? And they're like, yeah. Because what about ice cream and bicycles? They're like, yeah. He goes, and hobos? And they're like, yeah. And then he goes, I hate hobos. And this like <laughs> demon voice. And there's the, the kid on the left side of the screen. His face drops in such a comical manner. Like he just has total derp face for a moment. And I lose it every fucking time. And then he just lights up the entire bus full of kids, burning them alive while Disco Inferno plays. Um, we then cut to a news report on the, the school bus while a bunch of townsfolk watch, including the hobo. Suddenly, Ivan and Slick break into the newsroom, kill the anchor with an ice skate of all things, and show a burned corpse of a kid to the viewers. They then say that they want to play a game and everyone in town gets to play. It's called Gutter Tag. All the homeless are it. And the townsfolk have to kill them, or Slick and Ivan will kill the rest of their kids. Drake then pops up to offer a prize for the hobo's head, which is all of his broads. I was like, I... I mean, I want to go kill some homeless people now. <laughs> Do I get, get all of the broads, or just the broads in the commercial? Yeah, well, that's the thing. He's like, you get all of my broads. I'm like, I... <laughs> what if you're not into his broads? Uh, I'll take some arcade games in a bumper car. I was gonna say, you want to give me that plague, plague arcade game? Like that's cool. <laughs> but... uh, I'll take all of the cocaines. <laughs> we now get probably my favorite overacting in the entire movie. We cut to the cops gearing up to go hunt the homeless, and one cop speaks up saying, "Well, at least he's only shooting the dirty cops." <laughs> the the winner for the worst acting in this movie goes, he spins toward the camera, veins bulging in his forehead, face like beat red. He goes, we're all dirty cops. Cocks <laughs> a shotgun. I forget. Like I have to pause the movie every time I watch it. Cause I'm laughing too hard. Like it's insane. The, the, the delivery this guy has. Oh my God. So good. <laughs> but we cut to a back and forth between a quiet moment with the hobo thinking about what to do and a montage of townsfolk hunting and murdering homeless people. And this is brutal because like the, the hunt scene, like you see them beating the shit out of homeless guys. You see the one guy who like jumps in a box at a construction site and they just drop a crane or like a bulldozer. What, what the hell was that? Uh, it was a crane, right? Yeah. Some sort of heavy construction equipment. They smoosh the box. And it just blood shoots out in every direction from the box. Um, and then probably the most upsetting of them is we see a homeless woman and her infant baby hiding in a dumpster. And this guy, like, opens the dumpster with a flaming, bo like a Molotov, and he just throws it in the dumpster, burning them both alive. That that one got me. Yeah. That, that wasn't funny, like, flamethrowers and kids on a school bus. 
uh, Molotov no. Dumpster Baby. Uh, great band, by the way. Um, <laughs> I was just going to say, that is so a band name. <laughs> Molotov Dumpster Baby. That one was too much. Oh, my God. Now I have Prom Night Dumpster Baby stuck in my head. Well, Molotov Dumpster Baby. <laughs> it's like a Guar song. Right. <laughs> Uh, but also then the body pit, we see like the town setting off fireworks and celebrating while they're rolling corpses into a pit. It's like, Ugh. so now we cut to two cops watching Abby. Uh, one is the attempted John from earlier, the taste my rot guy. And he says to the other cop, she's so hot. I'd eat the peanuts out of her shit. Like, dude, no, that's disgusting. You, you got to be a little creative. You got to be like, I'd eat the marsh, you know, the Count Chocula marshmallows out of her doo-doo. <laughs> I'm not eating anything out of anyone's doo-doo. That's disgusting. You know, I, uh, Maurice, <laughs> help me out here. You're, you're great with these. <laughs> I, I, got... I would like to take a 23andMe DNA sample on my face from her. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> too much oh uh, i think these are priceless uh i would like to wear her like a winter hat <laughs> all right i'm done i have questions but uh... a very tiny woman on my head <laughs> Ooh, okay so he then goes on to talk about how great prostitutes are because you can beat them he's a lovely individual yeah, he's... and then he, he basically he turns to his partner and he's like, we'll go halvesies on this one. And the other guy's like, are you fucking serious? Like, he's not interested at all. The most sane person in the entire fucking movie. Yeah, yeah who gets killed later. Yeah, there's just one cop that's like, you're fucking weird. <laughs> he's like, this place is fucked. He's only shooting the bad cops. But the cop then goes to try to pick up Abby by telling her, I love the smell of your asshole. Like, again, what the fuck? <laughs> That is my favorite Dollar Tree Valentine's card. <laughs> but the way he says it, too, he's like, I love the smell of your asshole. <laughs> like, he, like, barks out asshole in this weird way. It's like, oh, dude, gross. Roses are red. Violets are blue. I love the smell of your asshole. That is all. <laughs> all right, I love the smell of your asshole. I love you, too. I, I don't know. I'll make, you know. I love the I'll, smell of your asshole. Do you like mine too? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, look out, Hallmark. Here I come. The, the picture on the inside is just someone with their pants cracked out, like looking over their shoulder with a finger on their lips. Like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. But. <laughs> She tells him that her legs are closed for the evening, so he jumps out of the car and chases her. He corners her and is about to force himself on her when the hobo steps in with the shotgun leveled at the asshole's head. He asks the cop to look at Abby. He goes, what do you see? And he goes, I don't know, man. She's just a fuck tube. And the hobo screams, she is a teacher, and blows his fucking head off. And it's a great decapitation. She like, it's... Mrs. Fucktube. <laughs> I, teacher. I just love how when his head explodes, it's just like that Kill Bill version of like the geyser of blood that shoots oh, up so out good. of his head. It's the oh, best. It's fantastic. So and then 
he uh, he continues to shoot the corpse over and over again, talking about how she's disgusted by you. She's afraid of you. I'm disgusted by you. And he's just like blowing this guy's corpse apart. And I like the little tick, the, t- the tick about him thinking she's a teacher because it shows you his grip on reality is slipping. Because, like, he can't quite remember that she's not a teacher. And this comes back again, like, one final time. And it's, again, I I don't know if this was scripted this way or if it's just the spin that he put on the performance. But it's, it's very subtle watching him talk about her being a teacher and how it seems like his reality is bent. There's some definite, like, mental illness. Yeah. I, I fucking love it. But... Abby is just covered in blood, screaming for the hobo to stop. She begs him to stop, and he finally snaps out of it, saying, I'll walk you home. He's like, what are you doing out so late? Let me walk you home. And then we see a crowd of homeless hunters coming their way. So the hobo starts loading his gun, ready to fight. And Abby tells him they're not bad people. They're just scared. And I'm like, "Mm, I beg to differ. They seem to be really enjoying killing those homeless people. They were very excited about it. Pretty sure they're pieces of shit. Yeah. (laughs) She then hides the hobo in a shopping cart and covers him with the corpse of the cop and runs out screaming, the hobo is back that way. Very, very Bugs Bunny misdirect. And the crowd goes running that way in the direction she indicated. But uh, so there as they're they're running back to the to her apartment, there's that like awesome 70s exploitation movie music playing as like the sun is slowly coming up. I love that sequence. So they get back to Abby's place where we see Otis standing outside using a payphone, begging his mom for more money. He see, he sees Abby and the hobo emerge out of the corpse, uh, the cops, uh, cops corpse. I couldn't say that. Why did he come out of him rather than pushing him off of the cart? Like he, he literally crawled up out of the cops corpse. It's like Ugh. some sort of symbolism about birth. Maybe. <laughs> I think it was just an excuse to be like, here, put some intestines on your face. But uh, Otis immediately calls Slick and Ivan to tell them where the hobo is. Inside Abby's apartment, the hobo tells her about his original plan to get a mower and start a business. She wants to join him. She wants to get the hell out of Scumtown, and the two of them can start a business together. The hobo agrees and stops and says, first, I got to go wash this guy's asshole off my face. And again, like... He delivers the line straight, and it's fucking hilarious. What was the, you grow it, we cut it? Yeah, he goes, I even have my own slogan. You grow it, I cut it. And she goes, we cut it. And he's like, really? Like, he was shocked that she wanted to join him. That, if I ever had a hobo with a shotgun shirt, if it didn't have one of Slick's awesome catchphrases, you grow it, I cut it. You just gave me a great idea for a drawing. I, I I might have to do something like that. Um, we'll see. <laughs> but uh, so, they, you know, they start to get ready, like packing up their shit. Slick and Ivan show up outside of Abby's apartment. Ivan has his ice skates on because, of course, he does. Do you guys they, know how to ice skate? Oh, yeah. Is it hard to, like, walk with fucking ice skates? No, that's not hard. Huh. Like, same thing with rollerblades. Like, it's it's not hard. You just got to kind of tilt your ankles slightly. Um, just so you're, you're balancing kind of just slightly off the center, but no, I, I, I've learned to ice skate when I was a little kid, but, um, yeah, so 
they they're they're walking up to the apartment after throwing some drugs at Otis and telling him to get out of here. Um, inside the apartment, the hobo and Abby hear Ivan and Slick coming up the walk, and because we hear the stomp of his skates, and then again the dialogue in this movie. Ivan screams out, beautiful day for a skate rape. What in the actual fuck? Like, some of these lines are like, all right, that's that's a little much. It sounds like a ska song. (laughs) It kind of does. You know, like, I just picture, you know, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up, skate rape. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) I know know next time I'm listening to Real Big Fish, I'm going to hear that in my head. Oh, Lord. But Ivan bursts down the door and begins karate kicking the shit out of the hobo while wearing his skates. So he's chopping the shit out of him. Um, Friggin Slick comes after Abby and and she slashes his face with broken glass. He then chases her in the bedroom with a hacksaw and begins slowly sawing through her neck, which is just fucking brutal as hell. Oh, it's so like, ah. And the whole, well, he's doing it slow too. Like he's just slowly sawing and he's like, he's going shh as she's screaming bloody murder. I was like, ah, fuck. But meanwhile, the hobo is fighting with Ivan and he grabs a toaster as Ivan goes to kick him and his skate gets stuck in the toaster. (laughs) The hobo then puts, turns the toaster on and electrocutes the fuck out of Ivan who gets somewhat fried enough to burn his hand and his face and apparently make him come because he starts screaming, Oh God, he made me come. (laughs) Which is like, what? You know, our whole lives were raised with the warnings and the dangers of toasters. Like don't (laughs) stick a fork in a toaster. (laughs) I've never had the courage to test that. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't want to test that. Like you ever put like a toaster strudel, or a pop tart in the toaster, and it's like it's in there too deep to get it out, and you're too impatient to wait for it to cool off to stick your hand in, and you're like, do I put the fork in and just kind of like lightly get it? But is it like as soon as the torque the fork touches the metal, you're gonna die? No, you're, you're just gonna burn your hand and come. I, I is have I been using toasters wrong my whole life? <laughs> Only the expensive ones do that. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna be Lord. busy tonight. <laughs> Making things, bagels. Things you do when you're bored with COVID. But <laughs> the uh, the hobo busts in to stop Slick from killing Abby. He then duct tapes the barrel of his shotgun to Slick's crotch and oh. slowly forces them out of the apartment. Anybody deserves that treatment. It's Slick. Oh God, yeah. But he makes Ivan leave while while Slick begs the hobo not to shoot his dick off. He's like, I'm too young. I got too much fucking left to do. <laughs> and the hobo's like, yeah, no. And he shoots his dick off. Second film in a row with dick trauma. Yeah. <laughs> so Again, a great band. <laughs> dick trauma. Dick trauma. <laughs> or shotgun dick. That's, uh, you know. Name of a, a world famous French detective. Dick trauma. <laughs> I am Dick Trama. Fuck you. Uh, the <laughs> Kevin Smith movie Johnny Depp is an uncredited role as Dick Trama, the detective. <laughs> we we need Hibbard here to do his Frenchman voice. <laughs> oh man, I am Dick Trama. <laughs> hey, fuck you. 
But uh, so, yeah, he shoots off Slick's dick and puts Abby in a shopping cart and takes off running toward the hospital. Slick calls his dad and tells him what happened, that he's dying. For a moment, you can see that Drake actually cares about his son. Maybe not Ivan, but he cares about Slick. Slick watches as a burning bus pulls up in front of him and tells the Drake you were a pretty rad father before he's hauled off to hell. That's where Act 2 ends. What do you guys thinking at this point? Do you think Freddy Krueger was driving that bus? Oh, of course he was. I love it. I love it. It just takes that bonkers turn. I mean, oh, yeah. it, was, it was already bonkers, but, you know. Oh, it's just batshit crazy now. Yeah, it's like... Dialogue, the dialogue is just nuts. See, that's the thing I, I will say is Ivan actually annoys the shit out of me at this point. Like, he's just getting more and more over the top, and I'm not finding half of what he's saying funny. Half of what he's saying, I'm just like, ah, whatever, dude. Like, he kind of just irks me. Um, some of the other shit that gets said that's bonkers cracks me up, but I don't know. Ivan seems to, to cross a line for me. But uh, I will say the gore is the perfect balance of over-the-top ridiculousness while still being just gnarly enough to make you wince, and I fucking love it for that. Like, we had in, in like, two scenes, we had a geyser of blood shooting out of a decapitated neck stump, and then we had someone slowly getting their head, like, chopped off with a hacksaw. Like, one is fucking ridiculously funny, and one is, like, making you look away from the screen because it's so friggin' gnarly. And, again, the effects artists in this movie, they nailed it. Like, it's it's perfect for me. This, this is, when I want gore in a film, this is what I want to see. I want it to be, like, splat stick, where it's just over the top, or the type that makes me go like, oh, God, I can't look at that. That's too much. <laughs> like, it's great. But uh, unlike uh, the Beyond that we you know, just recently saw, um, where the gore in that film is pretty much just hilarious throughout. What, Wendy getting shot in the head? <laughs> the fucking, I was thinking more of the eye trauma over and over again. It, the, uh... the nail eye trauma. You know, the fucking spider eye trauma. I love that movie. Oh, so oh, much. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I love it. But it's it's just, it's definitely the gore and that is ridiculous. And I still think Joe the plumber was uh, sutured up with his own chest hair. I think so, too. <laughs> so anyway, act three. Um, we see the hobo rushing Abby into the hospital and threatening the staff uh, that they better help her. Like he's holding a shotgun up. And then we see the most ridiculous scene of a doctor and nurse rushing Abby to an operating room while the hobo literally rides on the gurney screaming at them. They pass by a priest who has a bottle of vodka for some reason. The yeah. hobo grabs it and dumps it on Abby's neck wound <laughs> as the nurse screams at him to stop. Where the fuck, like, <laughs> that's not a good idea, right? Don't put alcohol no. in open wounds. No, not only that, but why was there a priest standing in the hallway with a bottle of vodka? And what movie started that trend of, like, alcohol cleans wounds? I, I mean, it it does disinfect to a degree, but, yeah, I don't know about just, in, in like, an open jugular wound. Yeah. Oh, so man. So weird. We then follow that scene up with them working on Abby 
and like screaming at her, like pounding her in the chest, screaming, live, live, you fucking whore. I'm like, what? That is some proper etiquette. (laughs) Is that, uh, are they in the Niagara Falls hospitals? I was going to say, that's that's maybe something you get out of a Niagara Falls nurse. I was going to say, that actually seems even too vulgar for Niagara Falls. So I was (laughs) like, wow, like Scumtown, like Niagara Falls has got one up on Scumtown. (laughs) But yeah, whew. Meanwhile, the Drake tells one of his lackeys, summon the plague. Tell them to bring me that hobo. We then see a strange... Now, that's a metal band. Summon the plague, yeah. (laughs) That actually is a good metal band name. (laughs) (laughs) But we then see a strange compound bathed in red light with upside down crosses out front. Inside, we see the plague gear, like a gearing up montage of the plague. Uh, This is Rip and Grinder. I still want action figures of these guys, and I'm pissed that they never made them. Um, <laughs> Josh, <laughs> I know, right? Sorry, I did. I did mention that when when we were uh, still working on the the Midnight Creature Features line, I was like, "Ooh, the plague would be fun," you know. So that was that was one of those like maybe in the future line or, or figures that we talked about. But uh, so we cut back to the hospital. The doc and nurse save Abby and patch her up, but the plague are on their way. We get another quiet moment with the hobo and Abby. He picked her some dandelions and he tells her to put them in her classroom by the window. Once again, getting confused. She reminds him. Oh, I know this, this, this scene, man, it gets me every time. Cause she goes, she reminds him that she's not a teacher and he looks disappointed and confused. He then tells her that he has to get back to work and goes to leave. She tells him you can't solve all the world's problem with a shotgun. And this is a line that is so ridiculous that it shouldn't work, but fuck me if Rutger Howard doesn't make it work. He pauses, hangs his head, and almost in a whisper says, it's all I know, and walks away. Like, come on! That is such good filmmaking. Oh, I love it so much. So the hobo goes and stands outside of a nursery. Now, this is this is the famous trailer scene. Um, he's looking at all the newborns and gives this long speech. If you haven't seen the trailer... Uh, if you haven't seen the movie, just at least go watch the trailer. You'll get pretty much the entire uh, entire speech. He kind of tells these kids, you know, that, you know, you're brand new and young and everyone has hope for the future for you. He's like, but if you grow up here, you'll wind up selling your body on the streets for drugs. Or if you're successful, you'll end up peddling crack to crackheads. And he's like, or maybe if you're lucky, you'll end up like me, a hobo with a shotgun. So, you know, he says the name of the film. Again, Rucker <laughs> Howard, just like. Hitting a home run. Yep. And I mean, that's the thing with ridiculous material and he's killing it. But the plague show up at the hospital and just start murdering fools. And (laughs) after an overacting doctor tries to shoot them, I I fucking love it because he's like, that's it. And he fucking throws a walker from an old lady (laughs) and then starts shooting at them. I love uh, the play because they like they established a really awesome like noose gun. Yep, I was just going to say the noose cannon. Oh, it's so cool. Because, yeah, like, so uh, Rip is taking, he has this, like, flathead machete, and he's slashing people's legs like they're calves. They fall down on the ground, and then uh, Grinder comes up with a noose, throws it around their neck, loads it into this cannon, and shoots it into the ceiling that hoists them up and hangs them. It's It's such a cool sequence. But... 
The hobo goes out and sees the bodies hanging in the hall and goes to find Abby, only to be jumped by the plague. They beat the hell out of him, throw him in a coffin, and drag him off on their motorcycles. Abby takes the hobo's shotgun and rushes off to help. Back at the plague's hideout, we get one of my favorite scenes in the movie because it's just so fucking nuts. So the hobo is in the coffin with a little sliding window. He opens it up to see Rip and Grinder beating back a giant octopus, or at least the tentacles. <laughs> because sure, why not? Why 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 not have a giant monster, a kaiju in their uh, in their freaking building? <laughs> but <laughs> he's not affected by this sight at all. Like that's the other thing I love: the fact that Rutgers is like whatever, giant octopus. He asks Rip for a match, who obliges and lights the hobo cigarette like this is totally normal. I love that scene because it's like they're not a thousand percent bad. Right. They're like, yeah, well, you, you want a last request? You want to smoke? OK. Well, I think it's it's more or less that we've already done our job. Like, or, yeah, like this weird you're, you're, bonding moment. Yeah. It's like you're no threat to us anymore. But. On the wall, we see pictures of Jesus, Joan of Arc, the Easter Bunny, and Abraham Lincoln, all with red lines painted across their face. Rip then paints a line over a picture of the hobo, implying that they killed all of these people and the Easter Bunny. (laughs) So (laughs) there's other people there, too, but those are the ones I could pick out. (laughs) Oh, my God. I love the fact that the Easter Bunny was included in that. Those sons of bitches. (laughs) Meanwhile, we see Abby doing her Rocky montage where she breaks into the pawn shop, makes a lawnmower shield, adds an axe to the butt of the shotgun, all the while all the while sweet synth music plays. She puts on a couple of snap bracelets and a welder's mask, too. It's pretty awesome. My favorite type of scene in movies, like that gearing up for something badass. I think the best example of this would be Evil Dead 2. Oh, yeah. Of that, like, real quick, like, Sam Raimi does it better than anybody of, Mm -hmm. like, the quick zooms. But, yeah, she's got that, like, Rocky montage of I'm (laughs) going to just MacGyver something awesome and I'm about to kick some ass. I also love how easily average Joes in movies MacGyver shit together. Like, do you really think if you had to, you could make a chainsaw prosthetic for yourself? Um, I can duct tape a cat onto a pole. <laughs> exactly. Or like make a running lawnmower shield. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and keep in mind, these people always do it in like five minutes time. All right. I am going to combine a dildo and a plastic lightsaber. <laughs> there you go. Dildo saber. <laughs> so Abby finishes up her little Rocky montage and outside a crowd gathers around her thinking she's homeless. I, I just, I love this line delivery because they're like, Hey you, what are you doing? And she goes, what do you want to know if I'm homeless? So you can kill me. And the one guy just goes, yeah, are you <laughs> like the way he says it is fucking hilarious. <laughs> and then she gives this big speech about how the homeless have a home and it's called the streets and they have a right to keep their house clean. And sometimes out there, a broom ain't going to cut it. And that's when you got to get a shotgun. And she cocks her shotgun and runs off to try and save the hobo. We then see that Drake has gathered a huge crowd to, to murder the hobo in front of the plague, grab him, uh, fit him with the manhole cover and <laughs> just like from the beginning of the film but i love the hobo's response like not scared at all they just drag him out of a fucking coffin 
fit a manhole cover around his neck. And he already saw what this leads to. And he, his con, his comment is let me go. You're crushing my smokes. <laughs> like, I love it. I fucking love it. But the Drake then gets up in his face telling him about how, you know, you know, you killed my son, blah, blah, blah. And he compares himself to God saying that he knows the pain of losing his son, but Unlike God, he can't have his son back. So what does that mean when he knows more about pain than the most prominent or the most uh, was an omnipotent being in the universe? And he go, the, I love the hobo's response because he just smiles at him and goes, you're a fool and a shitty father. I was like, ah, I love it. Yeah, like love it. that is the don't say that. You can't take that back. That's like the biggest insult. Yep. Exactly. As a father, you call me a shitty father. Either it's going to hit me hard. Yep. Or them's fighting words. I, I totally agree. <laughs> 100%. But they then take him over to the glory hole, which is an open manhole, and throw him in. So he's now hanging by his head like the guy in the beginning of the movie. They then throw a noose around his neck and hook it up to the back of Rip's bike, getting ready to rip the hobo's head clean off. When suddenly we hear a lawnmower. They all turn and see Abby standing in the back of the truck with the lawnmower shield aimed at Ivan. She tells the Drake to let him go or she'll kill. She'll chop his boy into pieces. Drake smirks and asks Rip, what do you think? And Rip says replaceable, which is kind of funny because it's played by the same guy. <laughs> Ivan laughs and tells Drake, I'm the only son you have left. Drake pulls out a gun and says, sorry, boy, you just never had that much potential and shoots him yelling at Abby. No one upstages the Drake. So he kills his own son. <laughs> Grinder comes at Abby, and then Abby shoots him and chops the shit out of him with the lawnmower. Rip starts the bike. Abby jumps out of the truck and chops the rope in half before it can kill the hobo. Grinder, Drake... that is such an awesome death. Oh like, yeah, the sparks and bits of shit flying everywhere. Because like he of the two plague, I think he's the cooler of the two. Mm -hmm. And it's just like it's just fucking cool. That's all. I keep actually looking at one of the uh, Marauder Gunrunner figures I bought going, I might be able to turn that into a rip. I don't know. I, I need to, to need to look at some parts. I might have to do a little sculpting, but I think it can be done. But uh, yeah, Drake then grabs Abby before she can get the hobo out of the ground and forces her hand into the still running lawnmower, just chewing it like down to the bone. It's such a gnarly looking scene. Oh, uh. But again, that's like, worse than the ice skating to the neck. Oh, it is. But why didn't she grab the top of it instead of like sticking her hand? At, like he because he was like forcing her hand, but like she could have like swatted the side or like like it wasn't a stationary object. <laughs> like Because that would be as cool. Yeah, true. <laughs> but still, it's like, ah. Um, so Abby is just screaming as it's like grinding down her hand and blood is spraying both of them. And the crowd watching actually looks disturbed here. Like they kind of stop cheering and they're like, holy shit. She then turns around to Drake with the exposed bone shards of her forearm and just starts stabbing him repeatedly in the gut. Ugh. It's like, Ugh. It reminds me of one of the monsters from Dead Island. There was a zombie that had bone shard forearms that would stab you. But uh, Abby goes to get the hobo out of the ground before Rip can come over and get them. She starts by pulling his hair and then she can't lift him with one hand. So she sticks the bone shard into the manhole cover 
as and uses it as leverage. I was like, ah, fuck. Like, it's so gross. But it makes my skin crawl every fucking time. So the hobo gets up out of the hole and takes a stand against Rip. Um, and Rip says she killed Grinder. Now she must take his place in the plague. The hobo forces him to back off and he just goes like that's the last we see of Rip. The hobo goes to Abby and uh, they have this one last quiet moment where he tries to comfort her. She tells him not to leave her, but he tells her he has one last thing to do and kisses her forehead. He then follows the blood trail to where the Drake is slowly squirming away. The crowd watches as the hobo confronts him right as the cops arrive. The cops tell the hobo to drop his gun and maybe he can walk away alive. They all aim their weapons at him. The Drake smirks up at him saying, you want to die for a town that never gave a fuck about you? The hobo looks back at Abby and smiles. The chief orders the men to kill the hobo if he shoots and suddenly the entire crowd pull weapons on the cops. The hobo points his shotgun at Drake and tells him, you and me are going on a car ride to hell. The Drake says, you're going to miss me. And the hobo says, you're riding shotgun. And, shoots his head off. <laughs> <laughs> and as soon as he shoots, Abby screams, the cops open fire, gunning the hobo down. The town opens fire, gunning the cops down. It's just absolute carnage. We get a close up on the dead hobo while Abby screams in the background, pan over to the shotgun, cue some badass synth music credits. The end. I fucking love it. <laughs> you think. I mean, I don't think it needs a sequel, but you think if they would make like Hooker with a hook, right? <laughs> you know, like Abby with a robot arm. There were talks of a spinoff about the plague, and then that just kind of fell through. Yeah. So, yeah, but I I feel like if they did that, it would ruin the plague because part of what makes the plague so interesting is the fact that they're so fucking mysterious, and you want to know like why do they have a giant kraken in their hideout like did they really kill Joan of Arc how did they hunt down the Easter Bunny like you know it's like I want to know but I don't want to know I'd rather have them as a like reoccurring like popping up in other movies unexpectedly you know like you're watching oh god I I don't know I do want three and they're like get the plague (laughs) I do want a Turbo Kid sequel and I would love it if they showed up in that oh if they're DLC in the game Ooh, are there villains that pop up? (laughs) So what are your guys' final thoughts on this movie? Like, after after watching it critically, do you guys have anything that you especially liked or that you noticed this time or anything that you especially didn't like this time around? Uh, Hobo with a shotgun cured my COVID. It's gone. (laughs) Oh, It it left my body like a ghost. It was like, ooh, and it just went out the window. Um, I love it. I love this movie. It's not my second favorite movie. Mm. Uh, if we're kind of going by that logic, I'm going to put Psycho Gorman above Hobo with a Shotgun. I can see that. See, I put I put Psycho Gorman right behind this one. Um, but I, I think it's just like personal taste because I love Super Sentai stuff and yeah. you love hookers. <laughs> I love hobos. Um, but yeah. It's I have zero complaints about this movie. Like, I can't find a single fucking flaw in a movie full of flaws. I can't see them. Um, This movie isn't a horror to me. It's a teacher. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Maurice, what about you? Uh, I got nothing. (laughs) You got nothing? nothing? Oh, man. Well, is this something that you can see yourself watching again anytime soon? No. (laughs) 
<laughs> I like it, but I'm not going to watch it again anytime soon. I was always curious about your take on on these films that I, I often refer to as retro trash. You know, movies like this and, uh, you know, uh, Psycho Gorman and Turbo Kid and all that. Is it, do you not like the style as much? Or is it just kind of like that, it's fun for when I watch it, but then I'm done with it? Pretty much that, yeah. yeah. I mean, Psycho Gorman, I can, I can see myself watching again. But, yeah. What do, now, have you, have you seen Turbo Kid? Yeah. Okay. What What do you think of that one? It's been a while since I watched it. I know I liked it when I watched it, but I mean, I that's that's another one that I I watched it one time. I, these movies, I I just don't go back and watch over and over again. Yeah. I think of if you want to put Psycho Gorman, Turbo Kid, and uh, Hobo the Shotgun, I would rank Turbo Kid the lowest of yeah, the three. Of those it, it kind three. of drags in the middle. See, mine would be Psycho Gorman would be one. Would be the lowest one or the top one? Uh, top one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is my third time this year watching Hobo the Shotgun. This is my my third time watching it in like a couple of days. <laughs> oh, there you go. Um, no, I I would definitely put uh, Turbo Kid at the bottom of that pile. But again, it's like it's like we talk about Marvel movies all the time. You're comparing you're comparing movies that are all good. Like it's yeah. they're you're gonna enjoy it one way or another. Um but yeah, I would definitely say that Hobo is my favorite, Psycho Gorman's right behind it, and then Turbo Kid's right behind that. Um it's it's not as over the top as these two, and I and I think that's kind of what makes it lose points for me as far as these types of films go. But uh I I wish I wish we had more more like this. I, I really love this feel. Uh, of a movie like it's just it's a crazy I don't even know how to describe it other than it's just it's fucking bonkers but it has a good story and heart (laughs) like and that's kind of the same with Psycho Gorman and Turbo Kid they're bonkers but they have good story and heart if I would lump these in the same universe as Toxic Avenger yeah Um, and if you ever want to like trip inside my head this is the world in my head yeah, just from the sheer amount of garbage that I've watched, this is where I'm most comfortable. I yeah, I, I kind of have to agree, actually, like this is comfort food. This is the types of films like and I've recommended this movie, God, to like 100 people easy um, and very few, very few have come back and been like, oh, no, that was awesome. Most people that I've recommended this to are like, ah, I didn't like it or I this was not my cup of tea. Yeah. So I think I think, yeah, you have to have had a steady diet of like weird fucking movies <laughs> to get the joy that, uh, you know, that we feel from watching this. Um, but I think even just as like a film critic watching this film, you know, and looking again at the at the performances, you see what Rutger is doing with this movie. And it's, I think that alone should be held up in high regard because he really did some special things with this film. But um, as far as the trivia goes, there's, there's not a ton, but there's just a few that I thought were kind of funny. Like the scene where Rutger is getting out of the shopping cart covered in the, the corpse of the cop. Um, apparently the fall that happens was totally accidental, but everybody thought it was so funny. They just kept it in the film. So that that was actually Rucker Howard falling. 
<laughs> he was just like, ah, fuck. And just fell over. Uh, anyone listening to this probably already knows, but this was uh, based on a fake trailer uh, made for, was it the Grindhouse contest? Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought it was that. Um, but where everybody was doing the fake trailers, trying to get it between the two Grindhouse movies. And um, it didn't win, but it did really good on the internet. So they made a actual short film, which garnered a lot of interest. And then they eventually got the green light for this. Um, now, the film w- were shot on uh, those red cameras, the digital cameras, but they processed uh, the the negative, basically, uh, to give it the various, like, saturated look that we see in the film. So they they did a lot of post-production on the actual look of the footage, which I thought was interesting. All of the makeup and effects in this movie are practical. There's not a single lick of CG in the entire movie. Actually, I have a piece of trivia. Sure. All of the effects are real. They killed everybody. <laughs> I mean, it was shot in 24 days, so they didn't have yep. time to work on the effects. There were no effects. They actually just, you know, ripped heads off and shot people with shotguns. They went to Scumtown and just killed people. Uh, that's This is why it's Rugger Howard's last movie. No, it isn't. No, it's a joke. <laughs> I was like, wait, he's in a bunch of movies after this. They, they didn't actually kill him. <laughs> um, now, this one, this is where I call IMDb bullshit. And, you know, I have to always call this out when I hear it. Um, that... Jake the Snake Roberts was first. He was the first person considered for the role of Drake. Absolutely not. Right? I was like, who wrote that? That's some bullshit, man. Jake the Snake can't get into Canada because of his arrest record. So that I didn't know, but I I find it hilarious that that's in the IMDb trivia. It's like, oh, yeah, we were going to have Jake the Snake play Drake. Like, why? Because Jake sounds similar to Drake. Is that? Because he's a drunk hobo? I, I don't know. But yeah, Maurice is a wrestling fan can attest that uh, Jake the Snake Roberts has a grocery list of uh, substance abuse issues and mm. uh, an arrest record a mile long. See, I, I know very little about wrestling. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's not, not a whole hell of a lot of trivia, but... Uh, I thought those were all interesting, but uh, okay. So let's wrap this one up. We did go a little bit long today Um, for the social media uh, for anyone not following us. It's the boogeyman's closet on both Facebook and Instagram. Maurice handles our Twitter. What is that good, sir? At boogeyman slow. Thank you, sir. Uh, We do have a Patreon. It's $3 a month for all of our unedited episodes and an exclusive episode each month. This month's episode, unfortunately, is running a little bit late. It will be up very soon. Um, It's just been a hell of a month with, you know, computer issues and COVID and whatnot. But uh, it is coming. We are also part of the Rad Pantheon Network. Uh, It's a group of various podcasters and artists and musicians, basically a bunch of cool people doing rad stuff. So if you like this, chances are you're going to like some of the other programs on the Rad Pantheon or some of the art, music, all that stuff. So check out radpantheon.com and Rad Pantheon on all the socials. Uh, Mike, thank you once again for joining us. I'm going to throw it over to you for any plugs you want to give. Listen to Count Creepyhead's Saturday Morning Monster Mash, available anywhere podcasts are found. That's Creepyhead with a K. And if you want to watch Obo the Shotgun, check out Tubi, uh, where it is available for free. You can just go oh. on Tubi.com on your computer. You don't have to log in or anything. You just watch it. Nice. I didn't even realize that it was up there for free. I was watching it on Hulu because it was on there. <laughs> it's, uh, it's in a lot of places. It's everywhere. But if you don't want to pay for a service, 
the greatest service of all time, Tubi. T-U-B-I. I I love Tubi so much. But uh, for anyone who wants to watch our next movie before we cover it, uh, episode 153, we will be kicking off our month of one-and-done slasher movies with the 1986 arguable classic, April Fool's Day. Um, so uh, the, the joke of April Fool's Day is that it's good. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> like, oh, you think you're watching a good movie? Ha <laughs> ha! Jokes April on you, fucker. Fools. <laughs> Oy but all right guys so as always this is mike saying goodbye bye i want to eat the corn out of your shit <laughs>